DBM delivers experiences that go beyond the ordinary and suspend reality. From powerful loudspeakers to state-of-the-art projection systems, and from high-quality processors to exceptional acoustic treatment solutions and screens, DBM partners with pioneering brands, including Barco Residential, Complete Acoustic Treatment Systems, Display Technologies, Trinov, Waterfall Audio and Meridian Audio. We give you the very best high-performance products for your home cinema projects. Like you, we're committed to achieving excellence. Visit distributedbym.com to find out more. Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Integrated Home, the podcast that's produced by the home integration community for the home integration community. My name is Jeff Hayward, and in this show, we're going to take an in-depth look at a CEDIA award-winning project, a winner of the Best Integrated Home Level 3 and Best Media Room Level 2 categories, Clink Wharf is a project from London member Cornflake. And we're fortunate enough to have Ben Roderick from Cornflake with us on the show today as we get the inside story on this fantastic project. Welcome to The Integrated Home. AWE are proud distributors of Sony televisions and home cinema projectors, bringing you the best content from lens to living room. For more information, visit awe-europe.com. Ben, welcome to the show. Do you want to tell us a bit about you and Cornflake? Yeah, so I'm the sales manager here at Cornflake. I work with small team of very specialist designers and consultants delivering some of the finest projects and some of the funnest projects and I think what we're going to talk about today is possibly the funnest project we've worked on for, for some time. We're going to talk about Clink Wharf and uh, Clink Wharf was a big winner at the CDO Awards 2021 so first question really what and where is Clink Wharf? So it's on the, the south bank of the River Thames, so a very central property, incredible views out over the river and into the city. It's set over two floors, but it's a very large lateral apartment that is actually a few apartments bolted together. It's a very interesting building in terms of the history. I mean, in context, nothing that relevant, but you know, in terms of the materials and, and structure that it's made out of, very relevant. Um, so, you know, it's lots of timber, lots of steelwork and brickwork, um, not very many modern building materials, of course, that, that brought lots of challenges around acoustics and, and sound isolation and all sorts of stuff that we have to be very mindful of. There's also the other side of that is we want to, and you know, whenever we're working on a project like this, the technology should, should only enhance the structure that you're working within and it shouldn't really distract from it. So there's lots of gorgeous features you know we can't take too much credit for but that we're really keen to preserve and make sure we're highlighted through you know very nice intelligent lighting control and shading control and that type of stuff so it was a fairly substantial renovation over how many stories was that was the building so the main part of the house is over one floor um so it's two kind of opposing apartments that have been joined together and then there's kind of a raised floor as well Right. Okay. And 
How did the project come to you? Was it through a property developer? Was the client coming to you direct? Um, we, we're not wholly sure on this. We, <laughs> we took the client through our kind of very typical sales process and journey. And that started with a visit to the showroom. Now that had been booked in advance. And I believe the client had done a bit of due diligence and found some, you know, some partner companies that we had worked for in the past. It turns out that the interior design company were, were the company that we ended up being contracted through as well. Um, so it was, it was kind of a, an interesting discovery. Um, and one we're, we're quite proud of. We can't take a huge amount of credit other than just, you know, people learn about us in the right ways. That's from, you know, positive client experiences or through positive experiences with other contractors and design professionals. Um, and if they can do their due diligence without asking any questions and we get a green tick, then fantastic news. And how important was your showroom in, in firing the imagination of the client and the design team? You know, I couldn't understate how important that is, if I'm honest, um, particularly for this project. Um, the client had actually spent a lot of time in Singapore and was relocating to the UK. And, you know, for as a city and as a country, Singapore, you know, very, very tech forward. Um, and maybe if you think about what London is, you could say it's probably a little bit tech backwards in many senses. Um, so it was it was really important to show the client in context what technology we will be talking about how we'll be talking about it and then how we'll be applying that to his property and his lifestyle um, and so the showroom was you know a room by room kind of experience through lighting control motorized window treatments cinema and media room spaces and then kind of global controls of hvac systems and, and all, all of the rest so it was really important um it was also probably one of the longest tours we ever did we, we were struggling to get rid of him um just because it, he was having fun you know and that's exactly what technology technology should be it should be fun um it should enhance your home it should you know make your lifestyle you know interesting but also simplified and you know when you want to entertain and, and make it exciting sure, you can turn it up to 11 and do fun things with lighting and all sorts of stuff to, to show up in front of your mates. So following that uh, that long afternoon or long day at the showroom, what was the client's brief? Did it, did it, did it come to you as something that evolved during those conversations that, that afternoon or was it written down for you afterwards? Um, that was a bit more collaborative. So because of the, the nature of the structure that we were working with, um, we had lots of areas that had comp compromised ceiling voids and all sorts of stuff. So we had to work really closely with the designers um, and essentially get an idea for the scale and scope of the project, as in which rooms require what services in terms of background music. TV, etc. Um, but really it was working through that and making sure we delivered on the level of quality that the client had seen at our showroom um, and, you know, presented that in the context of his home where, you know, the structure was very, very different to what we have here. Okay. And how early then did you get involved? Was building work already going on? Were you called in before it even started? Um, yeah, we were brought in at design phase. So we had a decent amount of time to work up various options, proposals, work through some, you know, iterations of different spaces, the cinema being quite a complicated one of those, um, well before any work started on site, which 
you know, gave the client, I guess, a lot of confidence that we knew what we were talking about and that we weren't just a, a one-trick pony and that, of course, we can be a bit agile with our design thinking and come up with solutions to things that might not necessarily be problems, but they certainly need to be overcome in a, a relatively creative way. Fantastic. And the, the size of team that you put to it from Cornflake, was it a, a big project for you guys? Um, it was, yeah, it's a big project for sure. It's um, We'd love more of them like this. We don't take on, you know, that many projects of this scale and nature just because we know how resource intensive they can be. And that's not, you know, from start to finish, but it's at key moments. And that's when you need to be positive, reactive, creative. And, and if you don't have the boots on the ground to do that, it can be a challenge. But in terms of a design team, we had myself as a kind of lead designer, um, and then a CAD operative who was doing lots of the, the kind of technical drawings and things in the background. Um, Gary is sales director at the time. Um, he was very influential in terms of coming up with some of the solutions and, and proposing things and getting those things in front of the client um, through myself. And then in terms of um, the delivery of the project, we had a dedicated project manager for that job. Um, so you know, one point of contact for all trades and all design and, and the client, especially if they needed to be. Um, and then that extended into a lead engineer who was assigned to the project start to finish and several kind of infrastructure engineers that came and went as required. So, I mean, not a huge team um, and it's not a vast project, but in terms of the scale and complexity, it just demanded that level of, of expertise and consistency and coherence from start to finish. So can you describe, in a nutshell, what you've provided? So the usual things, data networking, Wi-Fi, all that kind of stuff, really important um, to the point where we had lease line provisions run into the building and a 4G and 5G failover for the broadband. Um, so quite a complicated network um, infrastructure, but that is the backbone of, of everything that we put on top of that. So all of the audio visuals, so distributed video systems throughout, um, background music using Sonos and various other bits of kit. Um, a few areas had kind of upgraded media room experiences um, and all of that controlled through a very user-friendly and intuitive GUI um, using Crestron and our own um, user interface that we developed. Um, then on top of that, the usual things, lighting control throughout, so all of that, you know, lovely architectural lighting, decorative lighting, as well as motorized shading um, in key areas. And then this carries on to, you know, CCTV, um, video access controls and integration of heating and cooling systems. So fairly comprehensive. Yeah, pretty, pretty comprehensive. And, uh, and I understand that the client was quite keen to, to build in remote access from wherever he was in the world to the property. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, he's, despite kind of retiring fairly early, um, he was still travelling a lot and um, was still doing a bit of work on the side and was spending a fair bit of time in and out of the country. So being able to remotely monitor and, and look at the system, you know, simple things like being able to turn the heating on a couple of days before he's due to arrive, um, that kind of thing. He wanted to manage that himself rather than have a house manager at the time. Um, he has since employed a house manager. It's one of those things, just you know, giving a client the confidence that they have access and that level of control from wherever they are in the world, whether it's just from a monitoring perspective, just to see what's been going on, or whether it's actually they want to interact with it and action things. 
that's just peace of mind for some of our clients that expect that level of control um, and we give it to them. And I think probably uh, with a complex system, it's got to be easy and intuitive for the client to, to understand and operate as well if they're, if they're keen to do that. Yeah, and, and I guess the showroom tool that we spoke about earlier is to show them how simple it can be, to hand it over to them, give them that kind of test drive type of experience where they can interrogate it, press buttons and get comfortable with it before they make any kind of commitment to buying. Um, and I think, you know, on day one that we met the client, it was super, super intuitive. We handed it to him. You know, we struggled to get it off him at points as well. Um, and it's one of those projects where, you know, you, you have to see that and reflect on that and just see how effective that, that, that kind of tour and demonstration can be. What were some of the, the big challenges you faced? There were, of course, challenges. It was, it was definitely not the easiest project. And sometimes on reflection, you look at that and say, cool, wouldn't it be great if, if all projects were the same? But you also wouldn't learn anything. And I think what we learned really was that we, we should have more confidence in our abilities, and, and we certainly do now, to design within quite narrow tolerances. I think our industry's relatively kind of risk averse, and, and that's you know fair enough. Um, however, when you're working for a client and on a project that is relatively demanding, you just have to go the extra mile and you have to mock things up, you have to test things, you have to you know draw things in great detail just to prove that it will work and then execute it on site. Um, so one of the biggest challenge was the building itself, you know, is there were no straight lines for sure. <laughs> there were no <laughs> rectangular rooms. The whole the whole building, you know, was fairly topsy-turvy. And we we're very reliant on the contractors on site to straighten things out um, theoretically and for us to work within those tolerances. Um, that was one of the biggest challenges. In terms of executing our work, um, from a user interface perspective, one of the big challenges was the lateral kind of space and, and presenting that on a user interface. So typically we'd have a fixed floor plan. However, we had to navigate different areas of the house because it was so spread out across one floor in a special way, which was fairly bespoke to that client and was a bit of a process to go through. How is the acoustics in that place as well? That sounded like it might have been quite a challenge. Yes. <laughs> so I, I hastened to mention that this, this property is on the fourth floor of Wharf Building, the departments above and below, um, which presented lots of challenges, particularly when a client's after a, a reference level cinema system um, and with all the best will and intentions to try and stay friendly with the neighbours. Um, <laughs> so one of the big challenges was creating those high performance media type experiences and cinema experiences with as little impact um, to the kind of surrounding buildings and, and areas of the property that, that could cause nuisance to neighbours. Um, so our design approach in some, some of those spaces were, was very specific to that, in particular the media room that um, we won the award for. We chose not to use any in-ceiling speaker channels or anything like that. Um, we focused the, the kind of audio emphasis on a very kind of 
front channel heavy system, which was quite suitable for the kind of typical user experience and, and user scenarios of watching sport and things like that, where, where that would be appropriate. And, you know, the, the atmospheric effects of surround sound might not actually be seen or benefited so much. Um, so that was one specific um, kind of design feature and, and, and way we approached the, the project. Likewise, for the cinema room, we had to be very, very careful with the design of that. Um, so we ended up designing and, and installing a full box within a box, which um, was no minor undertaking, considering the, the type of um, floor to ceiling height that we had. So we really had to design that room within the kind of smallest tolerances, um, but it was completely essential for the client to be able to enjoy and experience that room to the level that, that he was expecting. And talk to me a bit more about that room. It's uh, how many seats in there? So it's a seven seater cinema room. Um, the, the kind of four additional seats would call them of the seven are kind of a, a very much secondary seating positions. The room is oriented around three kind of core viewing positions on the front front row. And then um, all of the audio is, is tailored pretty much to that space. Um, the projection, because of the, the limited ceiling height, we went for a native 235 to one projection system. Um, and also because of the height, we mounted the projector vertically at the back of the room and fired it off a mirror so that it didn't present itself in the room um, as a projector, as an object and keep the room really clean um, and, and essentially maximize the internal room space that we could have. Um, in addition to that, you know, again, for, for kind of spatial reasons, we kept all of the surround channels um, as on-wall speakers um, rather than in-wall, again, to just maximize the internal volume of that room to make what was a relatively small room and a small room getting smaller within a box um, <laughs> to really, really make sure the client didn't end up with a shoebox of the cinema, um, which we were quite at risk of. Um, so that was one very conscious design decision that we wouldn't normally um, go, go for. We prefer to hide speakers if we absolutely can. Um, fortunately, this client was you know, A, very keen to take our advice, but B, a bit of an audio file. So I was quite happy seeing certain speakers with certain branding on them. Um, in this case, my sound um, within the room. And it was a little bit of a feature that he could show off to his friends with. When you're designing a cinema, how much does it help to understand what the client enjoys watching or what they're going to use that room for in, in helping your design? Uh, it's, it's a big influence, I've got to say. Um, this client, although stating that it was an audiophile, was also massive, massively into sports. Um, and that was another reason for building both a cinema room and a dedicated media room space. The media room space he wanted for a little bit more casual viewing, very high performance still, um, but for sports and entertainment um, in his kind of lounge bar area. The cinema room was more for watching feature length movies, but also, you know, um, recorded concerts, that kind of stuff, and a mix of aspect ratio content where, you know, having a 16 by 9 screen just wouldn't suffice you just wouldn't maximize the screen size for any of that two three five to one content so we had to steer him down a certain path um, for that just to make absolute best use of that space talk to me also about the lighting because it's quite special the lighting that i think you've done for click wolf were you involved in the design as well as the control 
Um, we didn't get involved in the lighting design per se. Um, however, we did have as much influence as we could positively on it. So, you know, we were working with quite a small team and, and actually sometimes the sum of your parts can be more than your individual you know, value when you are contributing and collaborating closely. So the lighting design, we're not going to take too much credit for. We controlled it well. Thank you, Jeff. Um, the bits that we did design though and have a lot of influence over were specific lighting um, for the cinema, for example, where we created a, a dynamic lighting um, system for that room. Because it was a completely closed box, we just wanted to bring a bit of life into that space um, and bring a little bit of dynamism um, in what would otherwise be quite a, a kind of static room when it's not in use. I would say we used vertical and horizontal linear lighting up and across the walls and, and ceiling um, to create almost a, a goalpost effect um, throughout the room. Um, and using some, some clever lighting, we managed to, to kind of program a few different moods and scenes that were a bit more dynamic than just, just on-off lighting or scene set. Um, so using colour-changing lighting, RGBW, for example, just allowed us to create kind of a, a, a watery type effect or a flame-hot red type effect um, in that space, um, as well as the, the kind of future provision for the client to, to kind of tweak and change those lighting scenes as, as he would potentially like to. Um, part of that, that kind of conversation was actually about you know, would you want to be able to, you know, turn the room in the right colours for the Aston Villa match that weekend, for example? Um, it ended up not being the room that he spent, you know, watching watching sports. So we didn't bother implementing it in that space. But it was that type of flexibility and conversation that the client was quite interested in. Um, and actually, when you look at the, the kind of end result, it just creates a space that is that bit more interesting when actually a a normal cinema room, a standard kind of stretched fabric walled cinema room can be quite, quite boxy and boring. Yeah, I think that's the, that's the thing, isn't it? And, and again, particularly in London, a lot of cinema rooms tend to get hidden away in basements and then forgotten about. They kind of they kind of become like the unused room in the house because they're dark, foreboding kind of caves. And I think the lighting you've done in this particular project is really interesting and just shows that you can make it funky and appealing and a bit more vibrant can't you yeah yeah exactly that you you want to create a space that people a remember so if you bring guests around they want to come back and spend more time in that space that's a that's a real positive but also from a client level if you if you live in and spend a lot of time in that house that you want to spend a lot of time in there and that you feel that you're you're comfortable whatever the lighting scene is or whatever the kind of scenario that you're watching in how how was it working because you said you were contracted by the the design team or the the property developer i guess that there's probably a better description but um how how was that in terms of relating to them what the client wanted if the clients are sort of step removed from them they were very good at client management for starters and, and that's a really key point whenever whenever you have an interesting procurement or contractual path for these projects, the key is in you know the quality of communication, the understanding of the kind of technical brief and the client requirements, and how that translates through any subcontractors um, that are involved in the scheme. Um, in this case, you know the client 
um, worked very closely with the developer who also was the interior designer. So they were wearing a few hats, which helped, you know, that's one less person to communicate for sure. So uh, that was a, a fairly unique um, kind of project structure for a team that we hadn't kind of experienced before. It was very positive. But that helped us massively because we were obviously developing costing options and all sorts of stuff, but very directly with them in terms of how that will actually look, what impact that has on the design, whether that's appropriate. So it just meant we could kind of bat a few ideas around within a small team, smaller circle of people and, and come to you know more interesting conclusions quicker. How did it help in terms of managing those inevitable budget conversations you have when you're working through a project? <laughs> well, the, the project moved around a lot, you know, um, our initial scope of works was not what we ended up delivering. Um, there were lots of add-ons and variations to, to what was originally designed, which isn't unusual for any of the projects that we work on, if I'm honest. But I think in, in, this, in this context and this project, I think initially we we started with a very very broad scope of works um and quite a high performance system which was then value engineered and rationalized in a few ways just to bring you know value to the client and that essentially formed quite a, a, a base suspect that covered all the scope of services but didn't have so much of the frills and, and fancy items that that would possibly should should have been working harder to upsell but it also gave everyone the confidence that the client was getting value for money. And as the project progresses, um, you know, we re-engage with the client and the client team to just double check that what was proposed was relevant and, and what they're after. And actually on quite a few occasions, the client said, you know, no, let's, let's, let's look at this again. I really liked what we saw at the showroom. Um, can you talk me through what that would be, options and all sorts of stuff. So it moved around quite considerably. Um, from kind of our start date um, on site um, and in the design process to completion. And how pleased is your client with the overall work that you've done? Um, he's a very private client, so we don't spend a huge amount of time with him um, anymore, um, other than you know when we attend to uh, to fix problems or for maintenance, maintenance, for example. However, the feedback we always get is that he loves it. The, the only challenge he has is that he would potentially like to add to the system at some point, which I don't know what else he could add to it, um, <laughs> which I think is, is a positive thing in that, you know, he's loved the technology that we've implemented and it's given him, you know, a flavour of, of what can be done and that you can, you know, go above and beyond even what we did there um, on a residential project. Excellent. So biggest learnings from this project, what would you say? Building a box within a box for a, for a cinema room that you don't have endless space for takes a lot more time than, um, than you'd expect. But on reflection, is is absolutely worth it. Um, and just have the confidence if you, know, if you are an installer out there, have the confidence in your own ability and knowledge and put it on paper and apply your knowledge and you'll be amazed with the results. Um, if you spend the time and invest the time making it right with your documentation, there's a very, very good chance that the end product will reflect that. Um, and just don't cut corners because you can't when you're working to find fine tolerances.
Very good. And this project won uh, Best Integrated Home Level 3. It was also the media room was Best Media Room Level 1. At what point when you're working on the project did you think, we've got a chance at the CD Awards here? I think the first time I visited the house when it was a building site, it was enough just looking at the views out of the window to appreciate a what the client's objectives were with this with this project and and hopefully being part of that and b you know just how impressive the whole space could be yeah, it just had so much potential um we also recognized that there you know there are so many challenges with realizing that potential but that i think is what defines a, a senior award winning project you know if if they were all copy and paste I think everyone will be getting CD awards for the same project. So, you know, you do have to do something remarkable and that's something worthy of remark um, rather than just something interesting. Thank you, Ben, for the inside track on Clink Wolf, a fantastic project and worthy CD award winner. If you enjoyed this show, then please give us a review on Apple Podcasts and follow us on Instagram at Integrated HomePod, Twitter at IntHomePod, and Facebook and LinkedIn at The Integrated Home Podcast. The Integrated Home is brought to you with the support of AWE, Sony, and distributed by Meridian. We are a Wildwood production. The Integrated Home supports Together for Cinema. Together for Cinema is an AV industry movement that designs and installs cinema rooms in children's hospices across the UK. In these special places, children, their families, staff and volunteers are now enjoying fantastic movie experiences together. We want to build more rooms in more hospices for more children. To do that, we need your help. Visit togetherforcinema.co.uk and find out how you can be involved to help make short lives that little bit better.